Welcome to Paint My Mind Podcast with your host, Rasmus Lenthagen. Follow along as we explore a wide range of different topics in search for a greater life and better problems. Now, enjoy the show. Leslie Josel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for being willing to, to come on the show and share your knowledge and uh, of course. the expertise that you've uh, accumulated over the years. Would you uh, just give me the short story of what it is that you do in your and, and how you make a living? Sure. So I call it the Reader's Digest version, which is something we say here means the short story. Um, I'll try to keep it short. So I own a company called Order Out of Chaos. Um, I've been around for 19 years, so I want everybody to go back to 2004 and remember back then there was not, even the internet wasn't a thing really. It wasn't, and there were not, you know, podcasts and experts and all of that. So I, you know, I started Order Out of Chaos as a way um, to reach parents that had what we call neurodiverse children, children with ADHD and executive dysfunction. Because my son was diagnosed when he was four back in 2004, and there was nobody telling me what to do, how to do it, why things were happening. So I had to rely on my own instincts and my own gut to untangle his world. And back then, um, what I did is I redid my entire house, basically top to bottom. And now some people back then thought it was pretty out of the box and almost revolutionary. I took closet doors off because what he didn't see didn't exist. I took dressers out of his room and lined the floor with clear bins. Um, and I did that all throughout my house to make his world easier for him to function in. True story. A friend of mine saw what I did, asked me to go help out one of her friends. I did it as a favor. Two weeks later, I received four phone calls saying, can you come and do that at my house? I saw what you did for her name was Lisa. And I turned to my husband and I said, I don't do this for a living. And he said, you do now. <laughs> and back then, 19 years ago, um, I was going home to home working with families with children that had children with ADHD and executive dysfunction. Fast forward, we are now 19 years old. We are a completely virtual company. We, are, we have a global audience of over 100,000 members who come to us for products, for programs, for workshops, for webinars, and for both student and parent coaching, all done virtually. You do not need to live in Los Angeles where I am. We have people in Sweden, Australia, South Africa, <clears throat> Mexico, does not matter. Um, I write books. Um, I am actually also the Dear ADHD Family Coach columnist for a magazine called Attitude, which is the premier magazine for those both children and adults with ADHD. And the digital version is free. It's an amazing resource. So if there are any of you out there listening, um, definitely sign up to receive the digital version. I write a weekly column that comes out every Tuesday. Um, and I also have a product line called Products Designed with Students in Mind, and we make educational products. Um, our flagship product are academic planners that are sold all over the world. Um, binders, agendas, timers, such like that. 
So I'm a busy girl. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. Amazing. That's a really, really cool story how you got started with That's all this. That's how I got started. I call myself yeah. an accidental entrepreneur. I, 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 <laughs> I was not looking to start a business. I wasn't looking. I've, but it just kind of morphed into a need for education, yeah. for resources, for community, and for connection. And fast forward 19 years, we still need that. We're all still looking for community and conversation and connection and answers to why, to the why question. So nothing, so much has changed in 19 years, but nothing has changed in 19 years. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. That's so amazing how something that you do can become uh, or you can find a need and actually make it your job that that's amazing to me and I'm, I'm always happy to hear that someone has done that i am really proud of that because um so 19 years is a long time and it's a long time to see an evolution and and yet i'm still out here doing it and so many people come to me and go like i can't believe you're still doing it i said first of all the the trajectory of order out of chaos has changed drastically since we started, but the mission hasn't. And I think that is why I get up every day. And that is why we do what we do every day, because the mission to help parents really help their students both. And it doesn't, they don't have to be neurodiverse. They can just have executive, you know, they can have just difficulties and things, but we really want to make sure that all students are, succeed both in learning and in life. And what I'm, I'm made, what to me is really important is that mission hasn't changed in 19 years. The company might have and what we do, um, but we stay true to that mission. And I think when you stay true to what you, what you want to do and who you're serving, it allows your company to grow in the right directions. So I know this isn't about, about how to start a business. That's a different podcast. But <laughs> I get asked that a lot, like 19 years, like what's your secret? And I always say my secret is I stay true to our mission. Every single thing I'm asked to do, I make sure it fits. And, and the other thing is we listen to our community. We are very responsive to what is it they need? What are they asking for? So everything from our webinars to our columns even to to our to the products that we have, to the topics that we talk about, I don't make them up. They all come from what our community is asking for and needing. So that's well, kind of it. I, I think uh, all of those things are things that make a company successful, like to have a mission. Um, I mean, that's why people write mission statements, right? Yep, yep, yep. And to serve your uh, customer, no matter what. Mm-hmm. business you're in so that's uh, it of so, course yeah. so that's that's what a cause amazing thank so you I, I got curious about um uh, not only your son but the other uh families that you helped when you got started what what kind of problems were these kids um experiencing and, and what were they facing so what was really what you know, and, and it's true. So, and this is okay that I'm I'm allowed to say this. My son, his name, who was 24, was diagnosed when he was four years old with ADHD and executive dysfunction. And um, I always say he he grew up with my company, right? Like as he grew, the company grew. And I also think that I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm so sorry to interrupt. But uh, uh, what was uh, you say ADD and what's the okay. dysfunction? I'm getting- I'm going to give, if you're okay with this, I'm going to give a two minute like course 
mini course in what ADHD is and what executive functioning is. Because I think we are very, people have us, they think they know what ADHD is, but the executive functioning piece is something that some of us hear but are not familiar with. Yeah, I have never heard that before. Okay, Uh, that's really important to know. All right, so, all right, rolling up my sleeve. I don't know who's, (laughs) okay. Because I know some people hear this and not see it. So I'm telling you what I'm doing. I'm rolling up my sleeves because we're going to dig in. And I'm telling you this because I normally do this in a 60-minute webinar. I'm going to do this in two minutes. And I'm going to slow down because I'm a New Yorker and we tend to talk fast. So I'm going to try to slow my pace. Thank you. You're very welcome. ADHD is not what you think it is. It is not a disorder of hyperactivity. It is not even a disorder of focusing. We know that those that have ADHD can focus, right? We know that sometimes they focus on something too long and it's the wrong thing, right? How many of you out there have said, I've spent too much time focusing, running, going down the rabbit hole on my computer, right? Surfing the internet, they say, or playing video games if you have a child at home. So we do know how to focus, but not always on the right thing with the right amount of energy or cadence or all of those things. ADHD is actually a self-regulation disorder. It's about being able to do what it is we need to do at the right time, with the right energy, the right focus, with not being distracted, with the right cadence. All those things have to line up. It's basically because it's an executive functioning disorder. Because here's what we need to know. Your executive functions, which are housed in the front of your brain, it's your frontal lobe, acts as the conductor of you. It controls how you act. So what does that mean? It controls your organizing, your time management, your effort level, your focusing or distractibility, however you want to look at it, your mood regulation. If you're stuck, frustrated, angry, explosive, all of that is your executive function. Your working memory, which is remembering to remember something. And your impulsivity, or what I like to call it, self-leadership. Being aware that I'm doing something that I should and maybe be doing at that moment. And along with that is planning and prioritizing and motivation. All of that are your executive functions. So we say that ADHD is an executive functioning disorder because to have all your executive functions do what they need to do, you need to be self-regulated. Now, here's the fun fact, because I always bring a fun fact to a party. Okay, here's your fun fact. If you are diagnosed with ADHD, you automatically have executive dysfunction. They go hand in hand. There's no buts. Don't ask, but, but, no buts. There's no, there's nothing. What A here equals B, right? ADHD, executive dysfunction. However, here's the fun fact. If you're diagnosed, you can be diagnosed with executive dysfunction, meaning, Weak working memory, time blindness, 
um, you know, major distractibility. I'm just giving you some things that maybe you might have heard. So if you are diagnosed with executive dysfunction, you can have executive dysfunction and not have ADHD. And that's huge, which is why in my world, and for some of you even might have children, you're hearing more and more the term executive dysfunction because more and more of us are being diagnosed with that than ADHD. And Mm -hmm. we're talking more about executive functions because they tell the story. They're way, way more detailed and granular. If If I'm a parent, let's say, and my kid, is, and I've been told my kid is ADHD, that doesn't really tell me what it is my student, my child is struggling with. But if, I've, if I'm told my kid has some executive functioning challenges and his time, time awareness is lacking or his working memory is very weak or he has a very hard time sustaining effort, now I know what it is that's really challenging him. And that helps me figure out what I can do to support and strengthen those executive functions. Okay. That was an hour webinar in about three minutes. Did I? Amazing. Good job. That makes sense. I'm hoping it really made sense. It, it does make a lot of sense. And being someone who uh, I, I'm not diagnosed with anything, but mm-hmm. I never went for a... Um, what do you call it when they diagnose you? Um, well, no one ever tried to diagnose me, but okay. I've been told throughout my uh, years in school that I had ADHD or ADD, and I was always very, um, let's say, distractible. And, uh, you were distractible. And, okay. Yes, and and to this day, I have uh, I struggle to focus, but I. It's mostly when it's something that I'm not that interested in. Um, so that's a sign. I don't know. That does not mean you automatically listen. I do not diagnose. I want that out here. But someone yeah. might say you have executive. You have some executive functioning challenges, right? Yes, I think I do, and uh, memory as well is as crappy as as hell. Sorry for the language, but yeah. <laughs> Fine. Anyways, I, I so bad mouth. I have a very bad mouth. I'm trying to keep it very clean. We can we can cuss on this show. It's it's okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so back to uh, your son and the other families that you helped. So when you yeah. went to one of their houses or your own so house, wh- what of, was it that you actually did? So I would a lot of people. So what would happen is I would go into the house. This is this is years ago. We don't do this anymore. We do everything virtually. So let's talk a little more about, I think it would be, let's talk about what we do now. So what happens is parents come to us and and they're frustrated. They want to understand why it is their student has no time sense or why their student procrastinates. Procrastination, I would say is there's three, the top three that we get are procrastination, studying or homework and studying, even though they're not the same, and time management. I would say that those three are the biggest things that we get asked asked over and over again under the umbrella of executive functioning. I could give an executive functioning webinar every month and still not get everybody, like there'd still be a waiting list because that understanding of executive functioning, that being able to put your hands on it is so, so critical, particularly to parents because 
and even young adults. So your executive didn't, we didn't go here, but your executive functions don't fully develop until your early thirties. Oh, wow. Yes. So that uh, we are seeing even adults come to us and saying like, I'm very challenged because, and I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, you are. But, and if you're in your mid thirties, you're done. You know what I'm saying? Like your brain has fully developed. So now what we're doing is we're working on strategies to strengthen the muscle. So why does that set in so late in life compared to ADHD? It has nothing to do with ADHD. This is your brain. This is just your brain fully developing. So your brain, and again, I'm not a scientist, so I want to make sure yeah. I'm, but it has nothing to do with ADHD. This is just, your, this has nothing to do with, this is just brain development. So what you have to remember, and I'm, this I will share is, and I don't know who can see me or not, but your brain develops from the back to the front. Mm-hmm. So for example, so your, so your executive functions fully develop last, right? The first thing that actually develops is your, like, um, your emotional center, right? But that, you know, if anybody there has heard of like that right brain, left brain thing, it's the right brain that develops first, that whole like seeking, you know, that emotional, making wrong decisions. So imagine a 13 year old that's like, oh, I want to go here at night. I want to do this. That's wrong. And your logic and rationality and reasoning is not fully developed. And then imagine if you have executive dysfunction, it's even a wider so I don't know why it's your mid-30s or early 30s. I just know that your executive functions are the last thing in the brain to fully develop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I've heard that too, that the, the brain is actually not fully developed until no. you're at least 25, I think. So right. that makes perfect sense. And now researchers saying a little even later. So that will explain to parents, and even if you're or an adult, you know, why it is that you're maybe feeling challenged why like okay i'm 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 time challenged or i procrastinate or i get overwhelmed easily like why is that happening even at my age it's because the brain is still learning and growing to develop what i call muscle right like to be able to deal with all of those things yeah but but then when your brain is fully developed does that uh, go no. away somehow no. just automatically no well listen i mean i don't want to be the there's an expression in the states debbie downer you know the person to bear yeah. bad news yeah <laughs> the, the brain the brain grows so the brain develops and matures so listen we coach parents all the time who come to us with 13 year olds and they are ready to like tear their there's an expression like pull the hair out of the heads like they're yeah. just so yeah. frustrated i don't know what i'm saying translates here but and what we tell them is part of it is developmental part of it is brain-based behavior like the right like the brain will grow the brain will actually mature so yes your child but to some degree but on other parts your if your child has severe executive dysfunction yes they will still have lagging skill so that's where we come you know we come in with you know, re-strategies and tips and tools and and how can a parent not only help like strengthen that brain to so that they get to where they need to be, but even at that age, if your brain is lagging, well, what have you know, what systems can you put in place? I mean, there's plenty of like adults, we know this, like and famous ones who have ADHD and executive function who have put who have figured out workarounds, right? 
whether they delegate to someone, whether they have everything in an app, whether they have alarms go off morning, noon, and night to remind them, whether they, one of my favorites is they limit their decision-making, right? I only shop at one grocery store. I only read two magazines. I only wear the same five clothing every time. I actually love that one because, and I know this isn't what we were going to talk about, but decision, actually it kind of is, decision-making or a lack of being able to make decisions is a massive executive dysfunction and it leads to procrastination. The brain just gets too overwhelmed and so it'll shut down. Yeah. Well, that it takes a lot of energy to not be able to make decisions, right? Right. So a lot of my students and even my adults what they do is they limit their decision making, right? You make your footprint smaller. I'm not saying don't go out. I'm just saying what, you know, maybe you don't food shop in five places. You food shop in two. Yeah. You have the same grocery list. You wear the same five pieces of clothing. You only you only subscribe to one newspaper. You get one magazine. And by limiting your footprint, it makes that decision making so much easier. And decision-making or lack of being, it is really tough on the brain. And it is, you know, it's funny. I know we were going to talk about procrastination. And what we don't talk about with procrastination is that the, the lack of being able to make decisions is actually one of the leading causes. Think about why you procrastinate. Uh-huh. A lot of us think it's a time management thing. It's not really, yeah. I mean, yes, of course it's part of it. But I always feel like, decision-making is like, you know, it's the kid that got in trouble sitting in the corner. We need to take it back out and really talk about it because we never talk about decision-making. And it's it's a really, really big one. If you don't know what to do, it's going to shut your brain down. Yeah. I I, I just want to add, I had um, Professor, uh, Professor Don Moore on the show last week and he, uh, from the, uh, University of California, Berkeley, and he studies decision making and uh, confidence and things like this. So that was very, very interesting to talk to him uh, about that. But yeah, it makes a lot of sense that um, decision making and especially not being able to choose what to do first or what to do at all uh, is very taxing on your energy systems. Yes. It is because the more it's what it's the more you have to figure out, the less likely you're going to do whatever it is you were asked to do. It's yeah. I know it sounds simple, but I don't know if we always really like spend time thinking about it. So so like, for example, in my world, I know we said we were going to talk about kids and adults, but I need to talk about kids for a minute. So we get asked all the time, like, why does my why does my student able to do a homework assignment? Now, this is not an academic question. This is being able to activate. Why is it harder for them to study than it is for them to do homework? And I'm like, because homework is very task driven. So if I go to you, I want you to go to page 52 in your textbook and I want you to do problems one through five. There's no decision-making there. There's nothing for you to figure out. You know exactly what it is you are expected to do. Whether or not you choose to do it is a whole other thing. I'm not talking about that. 
I'm asking, I would ask the question, do you understand what it is you're being asked to do? I've been doing this for 19 years. Not one kid has ever said to me, I don't know what that means. I know what it means. Yeah. It means I go to page 52. I'm supposed to do. It's task driven. There is not a decision to be made. The decisions have all been made for you. Where therefore, it's much easier to activate. The brain is not overwhelmed. Okay, so let's change the scenario. And you have an exam on Thursday. And this is all about procrastination. Because it look procrastination does not live alone. I always say there's always something going on underneath. There's always a house full of people, right? It, there's procrast. There's always a reason underneath the procrastination. So we have a test on Thursday, and it's Monday night, and your homework assignment is to continue studying. Now I have a student who's going. Okay, what do I study? How much do I study? When do I study? Um, like, how long is this going to take me? Am I studying the right things? What study tools should I be using? And my favorite one is, when, am I, when do I know I'm done? <laughs> that amazing. makes so much sense. And now I've got question over question over question. And I want you all, if you can't see me, picture the brain just getting heavier and heavier and heavier to the point where there's like now a huge rock that just has smushed your head. Now, it doesn't have to be a student example. I'm sure there are many adults out there who feel the same when they have too many decisions. That And, that's, and that is one of our leading causes of procrastination. Yeah. Oh, I can oh, definitely. For adults and students, it's that over, and it's, it's, an, it's maybe a fancier way of saying overwhelmed. Yes, that that's I can relate to this so much because with everything that I've done in life, like uh, let's take this podcast, for example, starting this podcast and, and having the goals that I have with the podcast is very big. I have very big goals and very big. And there's there's a thousand steps to get to where I want to go. Thousand, I'm sure. And when I think of that, I get super overwhelmed and I don't know what to do. But then if I just look at the next step like what's the next step because usually like i talk a lot about um or with people and about people that that start businesses and they say oh i don't know what to do or how to do it but usually you can just google it and it will be right there like someone else has done it before and it's just doing step one then step two and step three but i think people get um discouraged or overwhelmed by the big picture of things right they don't and what i find is they don't know where to start and what you said was so interesting because as a coach the first question we would say to you is what's your first step we don't yeah. want you to look at 40 steps we want to know how do how do you think you need to start what is it you need to do? i'm just making i'm taking the same question and saying it five different ways what do you think is your first step? What do you think is the next step? What is the first thing you need to do to get started? And all yeah. of a sudden, I've taken that overwhelm from this. I know you can't see me, most of you. I'm putting my hands in a big circle, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm, bringing, I'm bringing it in very close to center. The yes. other thing that really, I think, is related there, and I want to move a little bit off of decision-making and overwhelm to time, because... 
what we what we have found also is all in that pot of things that we're just chatting about. There's that time piece, but the time piece is about being done. The power of done is what I call it. Because if you notice, the question that I find to be the biggest one is, when do I know I'm done? And that's the other thing about that homework question. It's not only that it's task specific, but what someone sees in that example is a beginning, a middle, and an end. And for those of us that are neurodiverse or neurochallenged, meaning ADHD, executive dysfunction, being able to, who don't, I don't want, I'm never talking absolutes. I should have said that. Meaning everybody's different. Everybody shows, you know, I think, yeah. I think that we can say that. But what we find with those that are challenged, whether it's executive functioning, ADHD, whatever, is that linear thinking is, does not come easy, right? That ordination piece, okay? What I, yes. what I mean by ordination is we do this first, then this comes next, and then this follows. That linear, that linear thinking, ordination, that kind of thinking is difficult, right? Usually, yes. they, usually we. That's why I love the ADHD brain. I live with. I, my, well, my son doesn't live with us anymore, but my husband has it. My son, it's that amazing, creative, out of the box, like wow. And I'm much more. <laughs> A has to come before B, and B has, but which is not the best all the time. I sometimes limit myself because I don't do the out of the box. However, sometimes we do need things to be linear. And what happens with us is if we can't see the, the end to something, particularly those who are challenged, we don't begin. I want you all to think about that. It's really important. And I know this all can, all of this is belly under procrastination. In my world, the order out of chaos world, we call it the power of done. That doesn't mean something's done, done. It means that time period is done. So for, uh -huh. for my adults and my students, they need to see the end so that they can not only begin, but stay activated, right? So it's why we use, I don't know if you can, for those of you who are not viewing this, I have an, I'm in my home office and I have an analog clock. Yep. Analogs are my number one, number two, number three, number four, number five tool. It's my favorite tool for almost everything because for you to truly get started, for you to truly learn about time, for you to truly try to that procrastination, you need to see time move. You need to see where you sit in time and digitals do not cut it. This thing gives you one time. I'm holding up my phone for those of you who can't see me. But if I was to ask you on your phone to show me 10 minutes from now or 20 minutes ago, you can't do it. Mm, time is actually three-dimensional. Time has a beginning, middle, and end. So we need to see time move. We need to see, okay, I have 15 minutes left to finish this project, or I have 20 minutes until I have to go to the next thing. That allows us to pause, to picture the end and pace ourselves. It allows us so to the, engage. Yes, uh, I was just gonna add, so the visual is very helpful. I always, listen, I'm a time management expert. I, 
I take great pride in that. I'm voted one of the top time management experts in the world. And my thing about time is that you have to externalize it to be able to internalize it. You need mm -hmm. clocks, you need planners, you need timers, you need calendars, you need your phone to some degree, using it the right way, right? Your phone could be an alarm or however you use it, even a watch, but you need to externalize time. Time needs to be visual and visible so you can internalize it. That's how we learn time. That's how we learn where we sit in time. That's how we learn how to see beginning, middle, and end so we don't procrastinate. That's how we see done so we can start. It's like a smoothie. It's filled with all the good stuff, right? It just has all the good yeah. things about it. Absolutely. So um, I've been working a lot of, on it. It's amazing. I can relate to almost everything that you're saying. And I can see myself in all these scenarios where <laughs> I struggle with, with these things. And uh, since I started working on myself a little bit more in, in the space of uh, personal development and, and things along those lines, I started making like daily plans and things like this. And what I did in the beginning was I made to-do lists. But what, what ended up happening was the things that I would put on the to-do list would be stuff like go past the grocery store on your way home or fold laundry. or It was stuff that, uh, how would I say? It needs to be done, but it's not very important. But but checking all the boxes for everything that I did uh, made me feel productive. Yeah. But at the end of a week or at the end of a month, I looked back and I was like, I'm, I haven't gone anywhere. I'm still in the same spot where I right. was a month ago. Right. You haven't done the thing that is the most, well, because it's interesting you say that because what you described is kind of work we do when we talk to students or we talk to uh -huh. parents. So interesting. And I'm going to take what you said. I'm going to flip it. We're all very good at saying, what do we have to do? Like what do we have to do? And what you're doing there is your number one, I'd say it's very weak executive functioning because all you're doing is reciting a list. There's no ordination. There's no prioritization. There's no, there's no stretching that executive functioning going, what's going to take me the longest? What's going to take me the shortest? What is the hardest? What is the most important? There's a lot more questioning that needs to happen to make what you're doing like come to life. So we always say, not what do you have to do? Because we always say, what is your priority today? What is your one priority? So I'm not saying that you shouldn't do the little things like going to the grocery store, whether or not it's going to move the needle in the bigger picture. No, but it's, it's something you need to do, right? You need food in your house. That's essential. But what we want you to do is make sure you're pairing that with one major priority. So what I, now I'm being honest, I don't really work with adults. We work with, we work with parents who have children with ADHD and we work with students, but it's the same principle. It's, can you tell me what you're one? Notice I'm putting a parameter around it. Parameters are important, beginning, middle, and end. Nothing, nothing open-ended. What is the one thing you need to accomplish today? What is your priority? 
Everything else can come after that. So that's what I want yeah. you to do. The one priority. And I want you to ask it that way. What is your priority? And when we tell parents that when one of the things when we talk to parents about helping strengthen an executive functioning brain, we say, please don't ask what you have to do today. Please ask what is it, what is your priority today? Yes. Right? Yes. Now I'm gonna give you one other little helpful hint or thing that we do. I don't know how you write your to-do list, but we do not write to-do lists on paper or like in a column. So I don't put a to-do list in a phone. I don't put a to-do list. We actually love it when people put their to-dos on index cards. Uh-huh. Why think, is that? Think about it. It's manipulative. I can never say that word. I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's bad. I can't can't speak. You can manipulate it. You can put it to the front of the pile, the back of the pile, move it to tomorrow, bring it out, put it back. You're not crossing and recrossing. What I like about it too, is you can batch and focus. So we find that the most productive we can be is when we batch things and then focus on that. What do I mean by that? So if you're an adult, that has some errands to run, some phone calls to make, some emails to do, and let's say a project to write. Most of us would just sit down and go, okay, um, oh yeah, I need to make that call. Okay, I'm making my call. Oh wait, I have to send that email. All right, wait, I'm gonna run out to the post office now. Oh wait, now I'm gonna work. That amount of brain power you have just wasted is off the charts. So if yeah. I know I have to send 10 important emails today, I'm going to put all my 10 email cards in one pile. I'm going to batch uh -huh. them. And that's what I'm going to focus on. Now, if we really want to take this home, because we do this, we say, okay, set a certain amount of time. Remember, I like being able to see done. So I do this. This is what, and I do not really ever procrastinate. I'm not a procrastinator, but I need motivation. Okay. I'm not a procrastinator, but I run my own business. You know, there are plenty of mornings I wake up and go, oh, my God, I'm so not in the mood, right? Oh, my God, I would, I mean, I'm in LA, it is 68 degrees out today. Like, I am in my office churning out, I can't even tell you. I would like to be on my bike, you know, but I'm not, I'm here. <laughs> so what I do is I set a timer for an hour and I say, okay, pick up my pile. Okay, I'm going to spend one hour making all the calls I need to make. I'm going to spend one hour working on that project I need to do because I have a writing project. I'm going to spend one hour answering all of those emails. I'm going to batch. I'm going to focus and I'm going to set my timer. And I, my adults tell me that that really, really works for them because I am parameter. Can't say that word either. I'm putting parameters right around you time. Like I'm making it yeah. very actionable. I'm taking the decision-making out of it. Here we go. It's all, you know, it's all coming together. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm so happy you said that because I've actually uh, heard this concept before and I'm trying to use it. So I've decided to only, for example, the email. I, on, I, I fail all the time, but I try to only check it one time in the morning and one time in the afternoon. Because I used to check it like 20 times a day and it's just... And that's all you did. Yeah. And that's all. You, 
And I'm yeah. at, listen, I'm, I, I own a business. I have people who report to me and I have to also some, so what I do, I, I preempt the conversation a lot of times too in my work. So not everybody works for themselves. Maybe you have people who are listening who, you know, report to people or people reporting to them. So I will actually send an email out to everyone who works for me and say, um, today's a writing day. Um, right. I'm, I, I have to get my two attitude magazine columns done and I have to write that PowerPoint for my talk next week. Emails will not be, please do not send me anything. Now, granted, I'm the boss, so I can say that, but there's ways around it. <laughs> yeah. But it really, I said, please don't send me anything till the end of the day. Because just the, now granted, I get 50,000 other emails because I can't control my whole world, but I can control that world. And what we've now done as a company is if you are doing, is we've given each other the permission to do that. It's not just me, because I really believe like everyone who works for me, we are a team. I never say they work for me. I say we work together. But they come to me and say, Leslie, hey, you want I'm like right now in this moment, we're turning over our website for our new academic planners. And sure enough, yesterday, the, the person on my team who's in charge of that said no emails going under. And I know I know what that means. Going under means like I got to focus and do not send me 50 emails. I'm like and that went out to our group and I saved my emails to the very end of the day. So there are ways to. I call it offer counter offer. Like this is what I need right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And going back to what you touched on with uh, prioritizing your tasks and things like this, I have my one of my absolute favorite quotes. It's from uh, what's his name, Stephen Covey. Oh yeah, he of says, yeah. yeah, you know who that is, of course. He says, is. don't prioritize your schedule, but schedule your um, priorities. Yes. Which but is I'm such gonna, a smart thing to, a, a smart way to think. But I'm going to take it one step further because I, okay. I know who he is and I know what he says. And this is what I teach adults as well as kids. And it really leads to our procrastination. And I'm, and I granted the world I do speak to our students who are very hard. Trust me, nobody wants to do homework. Nobody wants to study. Like, really? I've never met anyone who goes, yeah, I get to study today. So whatever happens. So what we do is we play a little psychological game with ourselves because that's how we get things done. And I, if I'm looking at someone's week and I have to tell you the truth, I do it for myself too. And I don't procrastinate. What I do first is I bubble wrap and I use the word bubble wrap because it's really visual bubble wrap. We know bubble wrap like that. The stuff that comes like when we have a package, right? That pads it. So yeah. you might say we call it bubble wrapping. You might call it padding. Is I ask my students to pad their free time. Where in your schedule would you like guilt-free time? Guilt-free free uh -huh. time. The girl knows. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, follow me here. Look at your week and tell me. Because everybody deserves a brain break. It's, it's, you need a brain break. You cannot work 24 seven. More than that, you can't be thinking about it 24 seven. And so even if we're taking a break, we're always going, I should really be, I should be, I should be, I should be. So how effective is that break really? If we're like 
half not really enjoying the break or in the moment of the break. So I'm like, find your find your padding. What is your padding? And I'm going to use a student because that's just my world. And I have a student who says, I want one day off a week where I do not think about school. I don't want to do work. I don't want to. I said, I agree with you. What's your day? And he goes, Saturdays. Other than maybe midterms and finals, because midterms and finals, all bets are off, friends. I Saturday is my bubble wrap day. But what that has done for him, because the most wasted time on a college campus is between the hours of three and six on a Friday. Right? There is. Somehow three yeah. o'clock rolls around and people think, you know, the weekend starts. But what he has done is he's like, I know that my Saturday is mine. I can sleep till noon. I can watch football, whatever it is he wants to do. He goes to the library from three to six on Friday because he, see what I'm saying? Because what we've done first is said, okay, we are going to bubble wrap Saturday. Now let's plan your time. And he's like, all right. If I can really have Saturday, Leslie, I'm like, I, I, I don't live with you, so I can't make, you know what I mean? Yes, you can have Saturday, then I don't have a problem going to the library from three to five or whatever, you know what I mean, on a Friday. And it has made him way more efficient because that time, that free time, it's like has already been scheduled. And we do things the other way. We are always saying like, I'm going to work, I'm going to work, and work. And when I'm done working, I'll take my break or I'll take some time. In my world, we do it the opposite. We teach you. I know it's a little but that and it works where and I do it for myself, too. I look at my calendar and I say, "Okay, Friday, I need a day. Do you know how much more efficient I am during the week? I put my head down and I like because I am Friday because Friday is going Friday, Leslie. (laughs) Get over. It's coming soon. And I'm like, all right, we got like, you know, we had a team meeting right before this. And they were like, you are like, because I do not want to work tomorrow. Got it? Yeah. And- uh, I, I really love this concept. And I actually, I feel like I have to give it a try. Uh, so interesting that you actually. Helps with work. procrastination. It helps with everything. Because listen. If, do we have a minute? Because I want to. I want to teach you something about procrastination. Can I? Can I do that? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So I said at the very beginning that most of us think, "Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so. I have no time sense. I'm not good at time. That's why I procrastinate. That's not why you procrastinate. I hate to tell you all. I'm not saying it's not maybe occasionally why, but that's not the real, real reason. Believe it or not, for adults. Procrastination is really all about mood regulation. Okay, so follow me here. I'm going to take you on a little journey. So I want you to pretend, I know you're laughing at me, but this is how I'm enjoying it. Very user friendly. Like, that's my thing. People say, I really picture it, I see it. You're, because remember, I work with students and parents, so my language has to be very student and parent led. They have to be able to follow this. Of course. No, I'm loving it. Oh, okay. So, yeah. You're on a road and you get to the fork in the road and you have a choice. You can either go right. And the right is what I call the happy pretty. 
right? That's where maybe going on a bike ride is for you. Maybe that's where Netflix lives. Maybe that's where Nord, you know, I don't know what's the big department store in Sweden, but here could be Nordstrom's or, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, a, yeah. that's where shopping is. That's where Amazon, you know, that's where Instagram is. Okay. So all the happy, pretty things that make us feel good. Or we can go left and left is the dark and twisty. That's where the stuff, I'm not going to curse, the stuff you don't want to deal with. It could be homework. It could be studying. It could be launching your podcast. It could be paying bills. It could be calling your mother, right? It's all the stuff that you are procrastinating over. You don't want to do it. It's mood regulation. But here's what we do. And here's what we say. I'm going to go to my happy, pretty place first because for me to do something I don't want to do or don't like to do, I need to feel better. And once I feel better, then I can turn my car around and drive to the dark and twisty. It's why I want you all out there to think about it. You have to sit down and get something done you don't want to do or have to make that phone call. And what do you do? You say, I'm just going to check Instagram for five minutes or let me just go pet the dog for a minute because you're going to your happy place to make yourself feel good before you can. You're filling yourself up with the good so that you have what you need to do the not so good. But here's what happens. One Netflix show turns into 10. One 15 minutes on Instagram turns into two hours, right? One website shopping turns into three. And we never get out to do what it is we need to do. And in fact, mm -hmm. we feel worse than we did before we parked in the happy pretty because now we're either beating ourselves up. Oh, I wasted so much time. There's the time thing. It's not, a, see where time, I wasted so much time. I cannot believe three hours went by and I'm still haven't done what I need to do. And if you're a professional, you have a boss, you might be staring down the wrath of the boss that you didn't finish something. Or you're a student who's now going to be staring down the anger of your parent or your teacher. That's why we procrastinate. It's mood regulation. It's feeling good to do the bad. Yeah. So in that case, yeah, that makes a ton, a ton of sense. But what I want to know is like, so if I want to go to my happy place before doing the hard thing, how do I get out? And yes. So like, let's say my happy place is Instagram. Okay. Setting um, externalizing time, making sure before you go there, what, what, what am I doing so that I am watching time? How am I externalizing? There's the, how am I externalizing time to internalizing uh -huh. time? So, so a timer or something first of like all, that. You can, there's a setting on your television, you know that, where right now all our TVs go from one Netflix show right into the other. You yeah. don't ask me the tech, but there is something that you can actually do where after you have to after one show it stops. Right? So, oh really? Yes. So um, one episode and the next one doesn't yeah. come on. One doesn't come oh, so There is right. something that you can do within your television that stops that. Uh -huh. I call it the toll of the scroll, right? Like it just keeps going. 
But so you can do that if Netflix is your thing. If Instagram is your thing, set a timer, set three timers. Yeah. And it'll finally go wake you up and go, okay, I'm done. I got to move on to something else. You have, you are entitled to feel a little good, but you've got to externalize the time to internalize it. So you've got to put, yeah. you've got to, you've got to send yourself a signal. I need to move on. Yes. So, okay. So let's say you get past the procrastination and you actually start doing the thing that you were supposed to do. Uh, like I, I went straight to thinking about like the Pomodoro technique. Like, is that something that you use or because we need breaks as well, right? I use a little, I don't, I mean, I don't care. I don't love it because it's strict and I am not about being strict. I am about uh-huh. like, first of all, I, okay. Here's maybe, maybe we should explain what the Pomodoro technique is first for it's like, uh, people it's who time, don't know. It's like time chunking. So what you do with something like the Pomodoro is you would work for 25 minutes and then you take a five yeah. minute break and then you go back for another 25 minutes and so on. Yes. So what I do is something very similar but I don't do it as strict as that because I believe that everybody knows what they can, what their limits are. Some of us can sit for 50 minutes. Some of us can only sit for 20. Some of us need a longer, longer break. Some of us need shorter breaks. I also, because I work with students, do never, I never like having anything um, that's on the even number. And I know 25 isn't even. But usually when we plan things or we set a timer for things or we say we're going to work on things, we say we're going to work on them for 15 minutes, half an hour, 45. Our numbers are very, you know, our numbers are very complete. Yeah. I don't like that because I think they're boring and I think you don't respond to that. When I work with somebody or I teach parents, excuse me, or even adults, I want you to set a timer for 17 minutes, 28 minutes, 32 minutes. There's something about that that's a little bit different. And because it's different, it's a little more fun. It's a little more memorable. And that's what we want. We want it to be memorable. We want it to stand out. Sometimes when we mm-hmm. set something for 30 minutes, it's like white noise, right? Like we don't, we don't even see it because it's so like, hey, everything's 30 minutes. But when we say, hey, I'm going to work for 17 it's a little, it's a little kooky, right? It's a little off-centered. I want that because particularly if you bore easily, if you have that brain that bores easily, a lot of us with ADHD yeah. and exa- 17 minutes, 32 minutes, it's fun, right? So it, hmm. it engages the brain. It makes the brain a little more active and engaged. Interesting. So uh, if we go past procrastination and go to uh, the topic of, well, it goes hand in hand, but productivity. How would you schedule your day or your week for optimal productivity? So I don't because I feel that it's not linear. So here's what I believe. Um, because to me, productivity is directly related to motivation. Mm-hmm. Here's what I tell people. I get asked all the time to talk about productivity. And I always say, you cannot talk about productivity until you understand what it is that's getting in your way. Have to know. So are you on your phone 24-7? Is your phone next to you? Like, 
are you constantly checking your phone? Like that's an easy fix. Like, so I can sit here and tell you what to do and okay, you should do your hardest thing in the morning and eat your frog as they say, and all those things. Yeah. Brian Tracy, right? right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And if you're on your phone next to you, there's like research, literal research that says, even if your phone is off and next to you, it lowers our cognitive ability. In other words, it makes you stupid. So like, is your phone next to you? Here's another one. Do you know how to get into flow? Do you know how to produce optimum workflow? So I could sit here and I could tell you how to be productive, but where do you work? Are you out in the open? Are you constantly interrupted, right? Are you optimizing your environment? The one thing you and I have not touched on is environment. Environment is one of the number one, I don't know, cause and effects to productivity. And nobody talks about it other than me. I am all about your environment. So Let's I, get into it. So I can't say to you how to structure your, your work week because I don't know you. I don't know what your yeah. energy level is like. I don't know if you like long lead times. I don't know if you like to have multiple balls in the air. I don't know if you like music. I don't know if you like quiet. I don't know if you like to work with a door open or a door closed. Do you like a bright environment like I have? I mean, this is like bright, bright, bright. Or do you like things dark and cozy? So I will never tell somebody, never. And i that's my fun fact. I get asked by companies all the time, come in and talk to us about productivity. And I'm like, nope. But I will come in and talk to you about how to, how to understand what's getting in your way. And when I have that conversation, I talk about roadblocks or time robbers. I talk about social, which is your distractibility, both internal and external. I talk about intellectual, which is, do you even know how to work? Has someone taught you how to work? Do you know how to create flow? I talk about environment. Do you know how to tap in to your environment so that it is sharing that motivation load. I do not believe that we all need to be motivated 100% of the time. I certainly am not, but I've created an environment, for those of you that can't see, I'm in my home office, that signals to me, Leslie, you need to be in here. And I want to be in here. It's warm and it's inviting and it's light, right? So do you need music? Do you need light? Are you facing a window to get green? Do you have a desk up so you can move around because movement helps us stay active? I mean, I could go on and on. I don't want to. So we talk about environment. We talk about intellectual. We talk about uh, social and we talk about emotional. Right. Yeah, that makes you, a ton of sense. So that so to answer your question, no, I'm not going to tell you how to be productive because I don't <laughs> know. I need to know first. And you've got to get super clear on what is getting in your way. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And of course, we all have different uh, struggles and we all have different things that distract us and uh, different right. things that motivate us as well. And um, just like you do, I have set my uh, my office here at the studio and my home office up for me to um, feel very uh, calm and, and I feel very good being in there. I don't leave it messy. I don't... Right. I, I, I it keep it nice so that I enjoy being there. And if you enjoy being in there, you're going to be productive. Like my, like I love my office. It's my favorite room in my house, which is kind of funny, but I probably spend the most time 
in here. But what I really, really want everybody to know is that motive, your intrinsic motivation, internal motivation is not necessary all the time. You can rely on what I call external communicators to help lighten that load, right? Yeah. To share that burden with you. And part of that burden is your environment. I'm sorry, sharing that burden with you is your environment. How is your environment set up so that you do, so that you are productive? What is it you need? Do you, and I, I don't want to go through them all again, but it's that kind yeah, of yeah. conversation that has yeah. to that has to happen before you can be as you know. You need to tap into your best practices before you can figure out how you're going to be productive. Because my I love the night. I'm a night girl. Give me like all like the day is over. The emails have stopped. The phones are not ringing. And I do my best work at night. And mm. I'm you'll you, you know, you can call me at two o'clock in the morning. A lot of times I'm up. <laughs> not all the time. Yeah. I don't do my best work in the morning. The morning, there's too much coming at me. I'm on the West Coast. Most of the people who work for me are on the East Coast. So I wake up to 140 million emails, right? Everything's firing in the morning. Emails, the phone is ringing. Everything's like, so I reversed my day. I exercise in the, I'm in LA. I exercise in the afternoon, right? I work in the afternoon. I do my writing when, you know, with my big picture thinking happens at night. Yeah. But that might not be you. So I can't tell you how to structure. What I can tell you is how to tap into those four pillars, your, your emotional, your intellectual, your environmental, and your social. Hmm. So if someone, because uh, you mentioned the word flow, to get in, getting into flow state and, and uh, I mean, I think most people have experienced that at some some stage somewhere in their life. And it it's something very, uh, at least for me, very desirable. But I struggle to get into flow. So if someone, uh, if someone is not really sure what puts them in in the flow state, are there any like common denominators? Yeah. I think the flow so. state that goes yes. for everyone. I, or? I think you have to shut everything down. I think that is, and I know it's not easy. I think that I think. Look, we know the research shows that our our amount of the amount of minutes, or probably now even seconds, that we can focus has decreased considerably. Like in the last twenty years, I think we're up to like yeah. forty six seconds. So, I mean. You got some things are just very simple, right? Some things I know I'm talking about, you got to dig in, you got to figure out, you've got to become very self aware. Other things are like, people, you got to shut it all effing down. Sorry, like there's, and that's what I say, like there's, there's no magic elixir here. And if there was, I would be on an island in the Bahamas, you know what I mean? Like I would be, yeah. but there isn't, but you've got to shut it down and you have to do some of the things that I even mentioned I do. So you've got to shut everything out. Like you've got to shut down your emails. You've got to put the do not disturb on the phone. You've got to take the phone and even if it's off, put it in another room. Because even when the phone is near us, mentally, we're still like, what, what's going on there? What's going on there? What's going on there? Yeah. Right? We're still pulled to the phone. We need to tell whomever emails us 40 times a day, I'm going underground for a certain amount of time. 
You've got to create flow. You have to, and you can. I believe you can. I believe everybody can create flow. Now, what is intricate to you is how long. Some of us can focus mm-hmm. longer than others. That's okay. But it's the it's the it's the frame of flow that we all need to do. And the one and two and three is number one, we shut everything out. We shut if we're writing something, we shut the emails down, the like all of that, the internet, all the binging, bunging, all of that. We put the phone away. We figure out what kind of environment. For a lot of us, if we're doing something that it's gonna take a lot of brain power, we are best leaving where we are normally and finding a different location. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. our, because, and I am the number one person, and I do not procrastinate, okay? I want you to know, there's things I do, but procrastination and time, I'm really good at it, meaning I don't procrastinate. But if I have to do something, like when I was writing my last book, I could not do it in my home office because the office reminded this environment is an everyday environment. It's like too many emails and too many phone calls. I I literally left my house and went to a very small, not a Starbucks, but a coffee shop that not many people went to that was quiet and no one knew me. And there was I limited my distractions. Because this environment was pulling against me to get that kind of flow. So I know we can't all do that. But even if you work in an office, I know offices today have conference rooms or individual little like work rooms. So if you physically can't be in your office, let's say you're in-house, go somewhere else. Remove yourself from a typical location, which doesn't because my environment reminds me of everything else I need to be doing. Right. Yeah, so, that makes a ton of sense. So that's that would be something. And then the other thing is, believe it or not, is you have to state what it is you're going to do. And we don't do that. It seems so pedestrian. What I mean by that, it seems so easy. Like, but what we don't do is is state what it is we're going to work on. And it's not enough to say, like, I'm going to go work on my book. I would say. I'm going to outline the time management chapter today. Mm. So it's going back to that uh, homework versus studying for an exam. Right. So what is it you're doing in that flow period is really powerful. Now, what some of us could also use to to get into flow, because this works, is pressure. Think about it. I always say about this with kids. If I'm, if your kid has a group, right? Like um, they're doing a group project together. He'll always go. He'll always be on time because no one wants to be that kid. But there's an accountability piece there. Three other kids are waiting for them to work on like, you know, the econ project, the economics project. Now do it and you're alone and you've got to get up to get homework done. You're not doing it because no one's, no one's accounting, no one's accountability, no one's being your accountability. What I love about flow, and I find that this is is missing, is not only you're stating what you're going to work on, but telling somebody else. I'm going to go, and I used to do, I did this for me. Every time, I did not use my husband because my husband's too nice. He'd be like, oh, you didn't get it done. You have so many other things. No, no, no. I needed somebody who was going to hold me to the task. And I have an accountability. I have a colleague that we are each other's accountability people. 
And so I would say, yeah. I would send an email. I'm going into flow today. I'm writing my, and she would check in. Did you do what you said you were going? And because somebody was watching me, I'm sorry, yeah. you're not watching. You know what I mean? I, I got I got my you know what moving. I got my ass yeah. So it's a, uh, a, uh, an accountability partner. Very much so. So for I, me, I think that's yeah. what we call it. And I have one as well. And we talk daily. And if I, if I don't do what I said that I would do, he will call me all kinds of assholes. And it's, it's, uh, it's actually very, very helpful. All right. We're not calling each other those names, but it is very helpful. It is really helpful. And yeah. the other thing we do sometimes is we body double each other where I'll be on. So it's it's audio off screens on. So we will be on a Zoom call together and it's mm -hmm. a working period. So we get on together. We say we announce here's the end. What are you working on? What are you working on? We're good. Audio goes off, but video stays on because it keeps us accountable. And we body double each other, meaning we act as mirroring images of, okay, I really want to get up and go get something to eat, or I really want to go walk my dog right now, or I really want to go outside. But no, she's at her computer working. I'm going to stay and work on mine. Oh, that's really that's smart. That's what body doubling is. Body doubling is somebody doing something similar to you. It's mirroring images. It acts as a force field to keep you, keep you on, you know, to the task at hand. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's really interesting. That's very smart. I'll try that one day. I want to touch on one last thing before I uh, let you go. Um, talking about procrastination. I heard this uh, concept on perfectionism. Yeah. And where someone said that perfectionism is almost just another word for procrastination, because if everything has to be perfect for you to, I don't know, post your blog or put the video out or do do this or that, it's an excuse to never do the thing because it's not perfect and it never will be. Um, what's my thoughts? Yeah, just what my thought is. Um, so my thought is this, and I'm not plugging my book, but I wrote a book on yep. procrastination. And in that book, I wrote, "There's a pro procrastination lives up here, and underneath mm -hmm. it are all the reasons why we procrastinate. And there's a million of them. I I only was allowed a certain amount of, you know, words or pages." And the book is the book is geared to students. I want to make that clear. So there's a chapter on homework. There's a chapter on studying. There's a chapter on routines and rituals and priority, you know, distractions. And there is a there is a chapter on mood. I do not think that we. This is me, and I've been in the field for 19 years, and I've seen a million people come and go. Do I do I think that perfectionism is one of the reasons why we procrastinate? Yes. Do I think it's the only reason why we procrastinate? Absolutely not. I think there are many of us that procrastinate, not because something has to be perfect, but because we don't know what it is we have to do, because what, mm. or what we're being asked to do is too overwhelming, right? Or 
there's a massive, or we're not in the mood. We haven't like, it's just too much, too big, too hard, too vague. Just So I think, yes, there is a perfectionism there. And that's sometimes that's part of anxiety. There's a whole other thing that I really don't want to go into because I'm very careful about who I am and what I say. Um, but yeah, I mean, but I do feel there is perfectionism. I don't think it's the only reason why. And I, and I have to be honest in my work, it's not what I see the most. Most mm, of the time, okay. those that show up at our door are not procrastinating because they want things to be perfect. They're procrastinating because they were not given any choice and control on how to do something. So they weren't giving any agency. They don't know how to do what it is they're being asked to do, or they're too overwhelmed by what it is, right? Or yes, they're time blind and they don't understand how to get into flow and all those other things. So when I do work, however, with kids that are perfectionists, we work a little bit like we do the have to's and the want to's right? That's a very big way to distill down and try to kind of remove some of that perfectionism. It's what is it that you have to do versus what is it you want to do? So I want to reorder my whole notebook before I sit down and do that project. Well, is that a have to or a want to? And what we try to do is let's do the, let, I'm not discounting your want to's, want to's have a place, but what is the priority here? Well, the priority is the have to's. Exactly. What's due tomorrow? What's going to what's going to take you the longest? And let's do what we have to do. And then if there's time, we'll move to your want to's. And what happens a lot is there is no more time. So that's one of the ways we deal with perfectionism is we don't we don't make anybody feel bad about it. We don't say don't do that or don't feel that way. But we try to distill it in a way that we give it its its due but focus on what truly matters. And the other way that we work on perfectionism is, and I know this is gonna sound really counterproductive or counterintuitive, not counterproductive, is you know, we always talk about giving ourselves ample time to get things done. I find that with my students who are perfectionists, that the, the, when they're given the least amount of time, they're actually better off for it because they don't have this ample time to rewrite it seven times. So well, I'm just going to go back and edit it again. Well, you, really, yeah. you know, I don't have time because it's due at 1159 on Tuesday. And that does help. That's just a natural consequence and not consequence. That's just a natural way to break some of that perfectionism. Hmm. But I would be remiss if I didn't say that if you are someone at home that is severely a perfectionism and it is definitely debilitating or preventing you from getting things done and it is really affecting your outcomes in life that I would I would ask you to go speak to somebody I have to say that I just feel that yeah 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 obviously yes so if um I want to ask you about just to um <laughs> Finish it off, if if you might say so, because, sure. and I'm gonna ask more in a, in a general type of way, not specific to students or to okay. any sure. part of the population. But what are like three things explained in a simple way that we can do to stop procrastinating 
and be more productive? Okay, I would say definitely, definitely dive into your environment. Figure out, environment is so easy and so key. What is it you need to be happy doing what you need to do? So answer that question and everything that goes with it. Light, sound, music, big room, small room, whatever it is. Number one, get that, get your environment right because your environment will do your heavy lifting for you. It's great, right? Your environment does the work for you. So get your environment down. Number two, hang analog clocks, externalize time. Hang an analog clock in every single room you spend time in. Because that's how you will see the sweep of time. That's how you will see time move. That's what you'll understand where you sit in time. Mm-hmm. And my third one is, and these are just mine, is yep. brick, limit the decision making as much as you can. If you ask yourself this question, do I understand what it is I'm being asked to do? And you cannot answer that, then whatever you're being asked to do is too much. So that's the key. That if if you can't say, I know exactly what it is I need to do. I actually have one more I'm going to give. That's, yep. so that's number three. And my fourth one, which I which I use for both for students as well as adults, is separating the setup from the task is really super helpful because a lot of times what happens when we are feeling this need to procrastinate is whatever it is we're going to do is too much. So for a student, what I ha- I'm going to give both examples. For a student, it's I want and they come home from school and they just don't want to do their homework right away, which I totally agree with. What I have them do is set it up, though. Take out your planner, put out your binder, pop your popcorn, whatever it is you need. Set it up so that we build the bridge to get you there when it's time. So let's say you're an adult and you want to clean out your closet and it's just too overwhelming for you. Right. I want you to set it up, get the garbage bags. Get all the bit, get get your three bins that say donate, whatever. Get your get get your cleaning if you're gonna clean stuff. Like get everything you need to do it what it is you need, but don't do it. So now mm. you've built that bridge to go and start on another time. So for me, when I set up somebody in a project, I do the setup first. And I'm like, okay, you're done. You're done. That's all you need to do today. And not only have we uh-huh. built the bridge. To make it easier to start, because usually starting is the barrier to entry. We know that, right? The other thing is we've now put a visual reminder everywhere, right? Because every time you walk by your closet, you're going to see my three bins, the garbage bags, maybe some extra hangers, whatever it is. And you're going to say, okay, now this is something I need to get going on. Ah, fantastic. So it's almost like, uh, let's say your goal is to clean out the closet. But instead of saying that's the only goal, you say, well, the first goal is to prepare to prepare for cleaning to out, the out the closet. Or set up to clean out the closet. Yes. Yeah. Smart. Thank you. Is there <laughs> is there anything else you want to add before I let you go? I think we're good. I feel like I have given so much information. So I know that. Oh, you have. I've enjoyed this so much. It was a fantastic uh, conversation and uh, oh a lot God. to process. 
That's for someone I'm, like me, I'm especially, I think. I think I've given everybody a lot to process. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I'm, I'm sure it will be greatly appreciated by everyone who, uh, who is listening and especially for people who struggle with these kinds of uh, things. I agree. Thank you so much. I really appreciate like being able to come on here and just like share all this. It was, I feel like I'm hoping there was a good amount of like the why, but also the how. Like what to do. Oh, it was it was perfect. It was right. perfect. Where can people find you if if they want to read more or even uh, get some help from you and your For company? Sure. Easy, easy. So the name of our company, I'm just seeing if you can see it. Oh no, it's off in the side. So the name of our company is Order Out of Chaos. And our website is order chaos.com. And if you go there, from there you can you can see the programs we have, our products. Um, you can read all my columns. You can get to our social, the book, anything you need. Just go there first, and it will take you to our services, our products, our programs, our coaching, all that stuff. Perfect. Leslie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow and subscribe to stay up to date on new episodes. Until next time.